Well, Robbie, somehow we made it on to the whole world. All three viewers we currently have. It's been a night of struggle. The struggle is the struggle is real tonight, Robbie. Hey, this is a after a holiday weekend. It's been long. It's a, it was a long weekend. Um, you know, you, you're gonna have to have a little bit of bruises and lumps on the way back. So we forgive us, and we will get better throughout the course of the night as Randall disappears. But I spent my weekend at the lake on Thames Ford Lake and um, had a nice little time. Actually, I we have a family three on three basketball game that we play each year and man uh every my fast twitch muscles haven't moved in a long time and so every bit of me is sore uh has been sore the last two days well uh, evidently every bit of me has been uncoordinated and cannot figure out how to work his own equipment, which yeah. has been about power for the cores. Um, yeah, my, so it's, 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 my, it's Team Davis versus my cousins, the Gentiles, and they're from Chicago, and they come down. They live in Cleveland now. They come down. They, they all played, you know, intramural basketball in college. And uh, the Davis team, so we played at 9 a.m. Uh, well, so, we, so 9 a.m. was the start time. We pushed it back to 10 a.m. Um, it was me, my brother, and uh, my nephew, Zach. And we played uh, best out of 15 by – to 15 by ones. And uh, the Davis team uh, threw up more than we scored points. We had – we lost 15 to four, and we had five throw-up breaks. But I, I'm proud to say I did not throw up. I uh, kept myself in good enough shape. Shape to uh, withstand the, the heat and the and the instant burst of energy and the the dr drinks the night before, and so it was quite the quite the event. It sounds like it was an enjoyable time. And and part of our issues today, folks, you have to excuse us on West Coast time. Asleep on the beach, Raj Meta has joined the crew tonight, but. At least you have an excuse. You were uh, asleep on the beach in California. I was just asleep on my couch <laughs> waiting on the show to start. It really crept through the start of the show. So. We, all, we, all, we all have vacation brain, I guess. Uh, I certainly have it. Right now, I didn't know today was Tuesday. I'm like, legit. I thought it was Saturday for four straight days. And then when it finally was Saturday... I thought it was Sunday, uh, till the 14th. Oh, wow. Look at so those. Just Look at that work. The struggle is real. The connection today, is guys. not awesome, though. I may have to bounce. And... I know, dude. And he's gone again. Robbie, while uh, Raj is getting his camera set, one of the topics we had tonight was – Tennessee entered the season, and I think you sent the information, Sporting News or one of the local uh, – It may have been Lindy's. Or it, Lindy's maybe Sporting News, one of those. I don't want to get it wrong, but it, it was one of those that I saw. I had Tennessee listed at 56. How did you feel about 56? Because when you first sent it to me, my gut reaction would be, yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, 
I thought the same thing. I said, that seems about right. Um, now, I didn't, it was one of those, you know, magazine preview kind of things to where, you know, it obviously tar target markets Tennessee fans and they want you to purchase the magazine to see where 56 ranks against the rest of the SEC and the rest of the region and all that kind of stuff. I did not do that. I, I will go buy the magazine. I actually like to flip through them and, and read through them. So I, I'm a, I'm still a hands-on reader. I like to, I like books in hand. I like magazines in hand. I like the newspaper in hand. And so I will go buy the magazine. Um, the interesting little plug they had though, and this is what we've been, I don't know if we've done it so much on the show as we've, we've done it a lot on our uh, group text is the kind of the plug-in was uh, Pittsburgh is ranked 22 spots ahead of Tennessee. So many of us think that Pittsburgh is the defining swing game of the season for Tennessee, and so they're ranked preseason 22 slots ahead of Tennessee. Now, I thought that was a little much. I, I, my gut reaction was Pittsburgh and Tennessee would be around each other, and I just thought I, I have Tennessee losing to Pittsburgh, but I thought it was going to be much more of a just uh, ball bounce here and first-year coach, tons of transfers, we're just not prepared kind of issue. But it makes it sound like Pittsburgh's going to be, even in England, is going to be uh, you know, six point three to six. So what I'd seen was Pitt being a small favorite over Tennessee in England which I assume is probably accurate. Uh, I, the one thing about these magazines, too, I would definitely say that Tennessee is worse than when they went to publication. I've actually wrote a couple of, not, not right, we all know how I write, but compiled some recruiting rankings for some of these magazines. In Pacific, I did I did Lindy's uh, recruits one year as part of the ratings. It was a group effort, a bunch of uh, Raiders. And my deadline was March 15th. So if they said Tennessee was 56 on March 15th, yeah. that, that, that indicates to me that they're probably less than 56 since we've had 22 players in front of the portal. That's a great point. So um, good inside information there. Hey, I, I, I used to I used to run in that circle. Uh, as I said, the, the proud moment of that career is the last player I ever ranked was Trevor Lawrence. I think I could go out on a high note with that one. I don't need to rank another player the rest of my life. I can just say I was Trevor Trevor Lawrence's guy. So, uh, hey, Randall, since since you're in the industry, what is your take on Phil Steele? Uh, you know, Phil is probably um, the male copper of the industry. Uh, I've always put a lot of respect on Phil Steele because he seems to be a little more thorough. Um, and he's he he actually has control of his magazine. When it when it's Lindy's, and there's another one, Athons. Athon, yeah. There's not one guy in control of that publication. It's a it's a it's a publishing house that's using writers from Mississippi to for Ole Miss and Mississippi State, and you tend to get uh, my buddy Bill Mayo was actually I, 
that under a pen name wrote the Athlon Tennessee edition for several years. And, and, and when you're a fan of a school writing a preview issue, I think it's tough, you know. Uh, even today, I think Tennessee's – we know in our group text, I've said I think Tennessee goes six and six. And, and, and I'm on my own. And if I was writing an article, I would probably say they're six and six. So I don't know if you get the best information. So Phil Steele, I like – another one I like, uh, have you guys ever used College Football News, the website – yeah, they they definitely have local guys embedded at each school that they get some inside information. Uh, while we're well, there, before we jump I think twenty four seven sports does a good job at that too. They do twenty four seven Tennessee site is exceptional. I, I don't yeah. know about other sites, but the twenty four seven Tennessee site is exceptional. I, I I visit a lot of them for basketball recruiting and seeing where the crystal balls are going to land. I mean, it, it, especially for basketball, um, I think they do a really, really good job. I also, um, I like the guys that run 24-7 now. I never worked for 24-7, but um, it seems they have the best information. Uh, Raj, now you worked for one of the online papers at one point. Did you work for as a contributor? Uh, it was uscfootball.com, which is now part of – uh, CBS of uh, uh, 247, but back in the day, it was Rivals is what I used to write for. Right. And it's, so it, it's just, they make deals across the board, and it seems like every 10 years, they, they switch services, if you will. Um, and right now, I think 247's probably got the most behind them. It's kind of like Bitcoin, you know, the, the biggest bank. Uh, but, you know, they're all pretty valid, if you ask me. It's some... The, the good thing about a lot of 247 is they're fairly objective, whereas rivals and other ones that I've seen of USC are basically fanboys, um, which is cool. But, you know, I, I like to see other things as well. Do, uh, just side note, while we're on, do, do any of you guys subscribe to The Athletic? I do. Yeah, me too. I truly want to. And it, They've got some good stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, just a lot of – they just took a lot of talent from – the networks and the websites and, and they and took college. like the top beat writers for every NFL yeah. team and basically threw a ton of money at them. So yeah. that was smart. They knew what they were doing and uh seems like they're doing well. It's four or five yeah. bucks a month, I think. So yeah. what about yeah, I enjoy it. I I, I I can only speak to Tennessee. At one point the Tennessee one was inside Tennessee. Then it went to Vols Quest, which I was – that's when I did most of my work. Um, and then now I, I, I am a subscriber. Even though I got buddies at the other website, I subscribe to 247. So, um, before we get off this subject, again, everybody, we were about 30 minutes late starting. We had some technical issues. We've got cast spread over 3,000 miles and maybe a couple of head headaches today. Um, what did you think of Robbie's that Lindy's marathons had Tennessee at 56? Does that seem hot to you or does that seem on the money? Roger, how do you feel about 56? Oh. Sorry, I was going to pull it up. It was the Lindy's top 100? Uh, we don't know which one it was. 
Okay. It, it could have just been me spewing off random assertions. I, I saw it somewhere. What other teams are around them? Because I see Tennessee as a four-win team. Um, you know, and that that's four probably against those non-conference patsies, except for Pitt. Um, you know, I, I think Vandy may beat them as well. And then again, they may drop one to Bowling Green, who's actually usually a solid team out of the MAC. Uh, but our four-win teams, traditionally four to five-win teams, roughly 56, I think they'd be – I think that's a bit high ranking-wise. But I want to know what other teams are around them. Uh, that's interesting. I think I could provide that to another website. So let's pull that up real fast. Uh, here we go. They were 56 in Athlon. Um, as Robbie said, Pitt's 22 spots in front of them. They're ranked higher than South Carolina and Vanderbilt. Uh, Kentucky is near them. Uh, I think the SEC East is so trashy. Uh, here's one. They have Pitt at 44, uh, Alabama at one, Georgia at five, Texas A&M at six, Florida at seven. Uh, oh, Florida at seven. That's crazy high. Excuse I me. Say- I, I misspoke. It's 11, but still, I think that's crazy high. Oh. Yes, it is, too. Uh Florida is a borderline top 25 team, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, I, would, I, would, I would tend to agree with you. Uh, I think so that must have been the article that I saw because it went, it went – that's who Tennessee was ranked and who they played. Yes, that's, that's the thing I saw. Okay, that was from Athlons. So I'm looking at CBS right now. And oddly enough, they have, you know, I'm tending to agree with Oklahoma is the preseason favorite, just with everything they're bringing back. Tennessee's, the transfers they got from you guys are basically all your players. Um, you know, Bama with new quarterback, OSU new quarterback, uh, Clemson new quarterback. And then they have Notre Dame ahead of uh, OU, which I find surprising. Incidentally, they have UK at 50, Ole Miss at 51, LSU at 52, which seems a bit low just considering the talent and the you have to give the benefit of the doubt to, to the big Bayou down there. Um, I'm looking for Tennessee. I see Air Force, and now I'm into the 70s. Arkansas is at 70. Uh, let's see how low do I have to go to find Tennessee. Uh, there they are, 89. Projected at three and seven. I will take Tennessee. I will take Tennessee over eighty nine all day. Just because there's 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 more talent there than than uh than I mean just James Marshall, I'm glad you're a homer with me. I said six minutes. Uh I I everyone all fifty five players left on the roster and that's that's me guessing, but I would say there's no more than 70 players on the roster. We're recruited by everyone else. I would think the SEC is such a train wreck 
Um, I still think Tennessee's better than Vanderbilt and South Carolina. And Who's going to be the starting quarterback? I would think it'd be Harrison Bailey or the transfer is going into the season. Hayden Hooker or um, Harrison Bailey. Well, we've spent more time on Tennessee than I planned on. So, moving on from the balls, I want to talk about someone, and uh, especially Raj, I would like to get your opinion and, and everyone's to this effect. We lost a coach, and, and you don't realize how bad um, the slip of the wheel just fell off. You don't realize how bad UCLA's been the last 30 years, except for the run that Tony Don Terry Donahue put together. Uh, he died this week, uh, a tragic loss. Someone I actually met one time in my life. Uh, he went at UCLA. His career record was he won five Pac-10 championships, two Pac-10 coaches of the year, uh, his career record was 151 and 74. And you look around at UCLA periods when Terry Donahue hadn't been the coach, Rick Neese, Neil, Neil Heisel, the uh, current trash I got now. Is, is he the best coach that's been at UCLA in the last 50 years? He made them relative for a long period of time. What do you think, Raj? We'll come to you, Robbie, next. I mean, there's no doubt he's revered there. He's the John Wooden, obviously on a lower scale, uh, to the football program at UCLA. Uh, you know, he also had a – trying to remember his record against USC. I was researching it. Uh, they had some bad blood. 10-9-1. 10-9-1. That's brutal. Um, and mainly because much of his rivalry – you know, he coached during the 90s. And – USC versus UCLA in the 90s was a boat race and not in a good way. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, a well-coached team. I think people forget that the 1998 UCLA team was loaded, and they were scheduled to play Miami in game two. Okay, McNown, J.J. Stokes, I believe, good defense. Uh, Hurricane Andrew or something hit. And they pushed back, and they would have crushed Miami at that point. They ended up pushing that game back to end of November, I believe. And by then, Miami had kind of put it together, and they managed to barely beat UCLA. And uh, UCLA ended up losing their bowl game. But they were number three in the country at that time, probably would have been number one. Um, I think that might have been a Bob Toledo team, but Toledo took over right yeah. after uh, Terry Donahue, and, and nothing changed under that. Um, then pretty soon people realized it. Bob Toledo and not Terry Donahue, and he was fired. Um, but all those guys were recruited by Donahue. Um, you, you know, they made the Rose Bowl. I remember they made a 85, I believe, against Iowa. 45-28, uh, Eric Ball went off. Um, but, you know, that's their home stadium as well, so that's always been kind of weird. Uh, but, yeah, he is, when you think of UCLA football, you think of Terry Donahue. It, it, it's a fact. Uh, he went to three Rose Bowls out of four in a, a period in the 80s. Uh, and, yes, he was gone from UCLA in 98. But uh, that team was largely recruited by him and was ranked mm -hmm. 
number one, I believe it was, when they lost, or number two, because they moved the game to the championship Saturday. Tennessee yep. ranked four entering that. UCLA and uh, Kansas State both lost they got Tennessee in the national championship game that weekend. Trust me. Again, um, against the Florida State team with a – Third string quarterback. So well, if those two, if those two things don't happen, you may look at Tennessee not winning that national championship. I clearly thought Kansas State was the best team that year. Yeah, I did too. Um, so and w- that would have changed Bill Snyder's le- legacy completely. You would flip Bill, Bill Snyder's legacy and Philip Former's legacy. Both yep. won a ton. The only difference is Former won the championship. Snyder didn't. Is UCLA still mm-hmm. a viable football program? Roger, uh, Robbie, well, let's hear about you and Terry Donahue first. I want your thoughts on it. Yeah, so I this this is this is the most research I think I've done for this show. So, admittedly, <laughs> I I heard of his passing and the name rang a bell, but I was eleven when he retired from coaching. And um, even though I, my sister was getting her PhD at UCLA, but UCLA has always been the basketball program. But I remember UCLA being good, but I just didn't remember the, who the coach was. And looking back on the coaches and the Wikipedia page and looking through UCLA football, man, what a overall dumpster fire for a team that plays in – I mean, the most famous stadium in college football. And even though it's not on campus, it's still uh, an iconic venue. And you look at, you know, Doral and New Heisel, now Chip Kelly. And and that was the only consistent one. You had Dick Vermeil, who was there for a year, won some, and then moved Carl on. Durrell. Durrell was a rough yeah. one for them. Oh, yeah. And it's just like – um, it's amazing that they haven't had more success, and um, and so yeah, yeah. Like I, I think, well, one, I'm shocked that a coach from UCLA has the Pac-10, Pac-12 wins title. Um, that's impressive, and the first coach to win seven bowl games in a row. Um, so yeah, it makes me want to go back and, and even look at more. Um, is where he ranks in the Pac-12 coaches. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah, based on what I've seen, he's definitely the best coach in UCLA history, football wise, obviously, the John Wooden. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that's an impressive resume at that school competing with the other school that's in the same city that dominates the football talk there. It and, was, you know, go ahead. I was just saying, you know, John Robinson. Uh, the first time around with 76 to 82 pretty much owned Donahue. Uh, when he came back in the 90s, it was a different story. But John Robinson always talked about how classy Terry Donahue was, how um, he had things in, in the right perspective when it comes to football versus life and kids' development and academics. Uh, he was a quote machine. I was just reading some of his quotes. Um, just was very lighthearted. Uh, one of my favorites is, I'm really calm, we're prepared, and we've worked hard. There's nothing to worry about. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go to the bathroom and throw up. <laughs> and just, you know, and that was him in a nutshell. Uh, at the That's right me time, before every trial. 
exactly. Uh, lighthearted, humorous. You know, he was once asked, you know, if if he would be coaching 30 years, what would that mean? He said, I'd, I'd be happy to make it 30 months in this job. Um, and this is a guy that was born and bred UCLA as well. He played football at UCLA. It was his dream to coach that team. Um, and he also retired at 51. And that's a very young age. Um, so he could have really blown up those conference records. Um, and who knows the trajectory of Pac-12 and UCLA at that time, like you guys alluded towards, if he would have stuck around. Terry Donahue also was, um, I'm, again, we always talk about being older. UCLA, he hit um, the conference at the right time. He hit the conference at a point that USC had just, went through a real winning period with John McKay. There were no, um, there were no, I mean, I guess Washington was the football power in, in the Pac-10, Pac-8, I guess, back then. Uh, but it was a really interesting time. UCLA and Tennessee would play a home-and-home home series every four mm-hmm. years. So I guess that's the reason I fell in love with Terry Donahue. Um, real quick. How many years does Chip Kelly have left to prove himself? Uh, you know, I've always said that UCLA is my second favorite team, and and they they are, and I think this is the year they get him. I mean, good lord, I, he did improve last year, but it gets one thing about Chip Kelly football when they lose, they lose big. It's not it's not twenty eight twenty one. It's fifty six twelve. You know, and, and he is. Really it's, he it's is, this year. He's ten and twenty-one at UCLA for a grand total winning percentage of three twenty-three, and as recruited, worse than any school, major school in the Pac-12. I and mean, the stadium is always empty. Yep, he gets out recruited by Oregon State. Yeah, it's it's got to be this year. Uh, they return a ton of production. I think nineteen or twenty starters from last year. That's not always a good thing, but in this case, it is. They did lose uh, Demetric Felton on offense, and uh, I can never pronounce his Ogundiziwa across the line, who is all Pac-12 team. Uh, but they're pretty loaded. They're loaded at linebacker. Um, Carnell Lake's kid is still back there, and he – I was at the game in 1993 when Carnell Lake intercepted Rob Johnson in USC versus UCLA, the winner to go to the Rose Bowl, and that was the last play of the game. So the Lake family has always – basically run us over emotionally and physically and spiritually. Uh, they have so much coming back that there's no more excuses. A third-year quarterback, good wideouts. I mean, it, it's this year or nothing. They even got a kid from USC that was going to play in heavy rotation across the d- defensive line, a freshman who early enrolled that decided to go to the transfer portal and then went to UCLA across town, which is unheard of. Um so whatever they're doing, they're doing pretty well, at least right now. But if yeah. he doesn't win this year, he's, it's game over. Uh, I think UCLA is going to be a school that's going to be hurt really badly by the name, image, and likeness thing coming out. And also, I think if Chip Kelly does not win this year, it is now his success at Oregon – was a product of Nike and not a product of him. And it's Michael Lottie. Yes, yes. The, that, that whole 
trend and the, the organ, the uniforms, the the hipness of it. He doesn't have that at UCLA. And I can tell you in that town, and Raj can speak to it, and Randall, you live in Southern California too. UCLA football is so far down the pecking order of attention. There's not going to be a lot of car dealerships that are lined up to sponsor the quarterback of UCLA. You know, strangely, I had a step family member that got recruited by UCLA. Now, I always remember thinking that was a big deal, but his other offers were New Mexico, Colorado State, and UCLA. It wasn't like UCLA was recruiting on the same level as the other elite back 10 uh, teams. Now, we've talked about Tennessee bad hires since 2008. I'm going to go back to 1996, and I want to read you this progression, and then one more question. Is UCLA football still relevant? Bob Toledo, 96-2002. Carl Durrell, 03-07. Rick Neuheisel, 08-011. Jim Mora, Jr., 012-17. Chip Kelly, 18-present. Since 1996... They've not been a – I guess Mora came close at one point, but you cannot hang your hat on any of those coaches. So the million-dollar question, is UCLA football still relevant? Robbie, we'll give you the first tee at that. You know what that sounds like to a certain Tennessee fan? The same – stuff that Tennessee has been doing. No, it's bad hire after bad hire after bad hire and recruits, transfers, recruits, transfers. No, they're not relevant. They're not. Besides besides the ultimate uniform game when UCLA and USC wears their home jerseys against each other. No, they're not relevant. They're not at all. So no, I mean they're just they're just not. Even when they tried to hire Chip Kelly um, who was a NFL bust, Jim Mora, NFL bust, New Heisel, did well at Washington, who's an alum. They, it, it's kind of like the same thing Michigan's doing. It, no, these, these, at least Michigan was a once proud program. I guess US, UCLA was at some point. But, no, they, they're not relevant. They, they haven't sniffed the Pac-12 championship in, oh, what, no. 15 years? Uh, it's longer than that. I mean, it's – they had one good team under Mora. I don't remember that went like nine and three, eight and ten and. They two. went back back to back ten and three, uh, one one year, uh, two thousand thirteen. Finished up the rankings as sixteen. The next year they finished up number ten. Um, they're, they're ten and three both of those years, uh, but six and three, all three losses in the conference. Uh, finished second in the year that they were technically the better team to Arizona, who was ranked behind them in the polls. Um, I don't recall the 2013 team, but, you know, to answer your question, every time I think about this, I think about off the field reasons, Uh, you know, the iconic baby blues, uh, the fact that they're the Bruins, you know, aside from Belmont, which doesn't have a football team, you know, those are very unique things, color combinations. They play in the Rose Bowl, much like Tennessee. No one else has that color of barf orange or whatever you guys call it, but it's extremely unique. And, 
I think, you know, there's nothing worse than unoriginality and Tennessee and UCLA provide that, uh, obviously Tennessee to a greater extent. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, uh, the last meaningful game uh, was probably seven, eight years ago. Um, it's, you know, again, they're also relevant because of the fact that it's the only rivalry or only situation where two power five schools are within the same city, 13 miles from each other. Uh, but, you know, those are off the field uh, reasons, if you will. Yeah. And, and I will comment also, like, there's a difference between um, Tennessee and UCLA. Tennessee on a bad non-conference game can throw 85,000 people in the stands without trying. Um, UCLA on their best game, maybe maybe not the UC, USC game, but it's on a, let's say it's let's say it's U, UCLA and Stanford. They're probably drawing 20,000 people. And it's it, it's a disgrace for 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 that brand to not draw better in a city of 6 million people. It is same token they are a victim of their own failure, if you will. Rarely are they the, the 1230 game. Um, it's usually a night game. It's Saturday in Southern California. Pasadena is beautiful. And that's another thing. Their home stadium that they play in is 20 miles from campus. It yeah. is probably the most difficult stadium to access and to get out of, of any uh, that I've ever been to. And they won't let, they won't let cars onto the neighborhood. You literally have to get out and walk about a mile with like a cooler and everything. If you want to go tailgate. Yeah. Trash the golf course, which, you know, I think yeah. is wrong in, in, in session. but yeah, it's, they have just not been relevant for years. And yeah, that's even a USC UCLA game. I went to like five years ago, it was raining. And, you know, half my buddies, USC was a better team, but they were like, dude, I, I don't want to go sit in the rain with them. And there were like 45,000 people there. It was embarrassing. And that's mm-hmm. against their rival. Um, yeah, it's now or never for Chip Kelly and for the Bruin program. And this is the most returning talent they've had. They have a veteran quarterback, just skilled players galore returning, good offensive line and defensive line and linebackers. You know, we'll see, but they're known for for literally choking in one way or another. The um, the last sporting event I attended before leaving Southern California was a Oregon State UCLA football game, where I drove. I, I, I'm telling you, I love UCLA. I, I love. In Talk my, about a short concession stand line. Yes. Yeah. In my closet, there is one LSU shirt, three UCLA shirts, and the rest of it's Tennessee stuff. But I remember walking to the stadium. I had no ticket. I had a friend with me, and I was like, somebody will give us tickets. I was confident. Somebody gave us tickets. We did. Crash or tailgate. But if – one in ten seats in that stadium was full at the time. I would be shocked. Yeah. And the funny thing is, they gave us like two upper deck seats. As soon as we kicked off, we ended up in row two, <laughs> and nobody said a word to us. Nobody and cares. 
sitting on row two with, and you know how long those seats are. Those yeah, from like if you're in the, the bench part. Yeah, the twenty yeah. to the twenty. I think I counted six people on the same row as we were. It's pretty and sad, that's probably, dude. That's probably a forty-five uh, stretch. So, um, and and quick LA going to their campus though. Beautiful uh, campus. UCLA is the most beautiful campus in the world to me. Uh, I went to Poly Pavilion not too long ago. They've redone it. it it's pretty nice. Yeah. It is Just much nicer. Campus. Yeah. But the campus is beautiful. It really is. Uh, what what having a 35,000 seat stadium on campus than they are playing in the, where they are? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a public school, though. The UC Regents there. Whatever money they're going to extort from their students, it's not going to UCLA football. I mean, if you look around, Cal Strawberry Canyon is one of the oldest stadiums there is. Uh, USC's had to deal with the Coliseum. True. Cal was the worst stadium I've ever been at. It's pretty rough. Um, but no, you know, back to the point of UCLA, like I said, many of us, especially when the BCS came about and suddenly became conference supremacists and, and warriors, and roasting the others. Tennessee was the only team that would consistently travel anywhere for a non-conference game. Um, much respect for that. They came out, and, and it wasn't just when UCLA was terrible when they scheduled it. Um, I was at that game that Peyton took his first snaps. I think Todd Helton was the starting quarterback. I was there. Uh, yep, and I, I had free tickets, so I was like, eh, why not? And uh, But Tennessee was the only team, and then I remember LSU had played Arizona State when they were really down I think in early, like 2010 or something. And they said it was like the first time in 40 or 50 years that LSU had ventured west of the Mississippi. Florida, very similar. And I'm like, it, it's sad to me that, that schools don't do that and see that and see the reach. And how many guys did you guys pull from California after that type of well, exposure? Yeah, that, that's why Fulmer did it all the time. Because yeah. that was back when Tennessee had very little in-state talent. And so we had to go out of state and go to the West yeah. Coast. One of the greatest vacations, and this is my last point I'll make, for I think at the time $3,000, we flew from Knoxville to Las Vegas, stayed in Vegas for three days or four days, went from Vegas to Pasadena, went to Disney World, and – then that Saturday was the game, went to the game. Then Sunday we drove back to Las Vegas, went to the Grand Canyon, did all that, got on the airplane, drove home, uh, flew home to Knoxville. I mean, I couldn't book what we did for the money I stayed, and I, I miss those kind of trips. We did one well, to Syracuse. If, if, you, if you started in Vegas, you probably had 20 grand in your pocket the time you left. I had less in my pocket than I started with. This was the freaking day still. I was going to say, I, I didn't hear the Spearmint Rhino on there multiple times. So are, are we sure we got the full agenda and itinerary? Yeah. Uh, and we stayed. We stayed. Um, we stayed at the MGM, which I thought was nice too. A nice touch. Staying there. I love Old Vegas. All right, guys. Moving on just real fast. And again, if you're just joining us, uh, we'll get this all posted across the internet. We had some technical issues, so we're still trying to finish up the show. So stay with us. Robbie was the only guy that was a warrior and was here when he was supposed to be. Uh, 
But I was researching right before I fell asleep on the couch something. I want to read you the headlines from CBS Sports. Miami Booster offers $540,000 in NLI endorsement deal to Hurricane Scholarship football players. A businessman is offering $500 a month for every player scholarship to promote his MMA training facility. So basically his deal is I'm going to sign every football player that walks in the door for $6,000. They're all going to train at my facility. They're all going to promote my facility. They will wear equipment or clothing for my facility. And every player automatically gets $500 a month stipend. Is this the first of many of these type of deals and can this deal go through robbie we'll start with you you seem to be the closest to the pulse of the nli i think um so i saw this headline also i think this is a marketing headline more than a practicality headline because one the school still controls what gear you can and cannot wear so Nike is paying a lot more to said school than this 540k gym or whatever it was. I think this is this guy get finding just I want to shoot the first shot and see what goes on. Um, now I do think there's gonna be better calculated efforts along these lines to actually do this, but it will be more on commercials. Hey, on the off season, come sell, come to the car lot, come to, um, if you're talking about, say, Knoxville, for instance. Hey, the pilot gas station going to do, you know, autographs or, and this is where it gets a little shady and quite frankly, very dirty. Nick Saban owns what, 10, 10 Mercedes Benz dealerships? Yeah, he has. It's, is he allowed to have players sponsor those things? So you're gonna, so so it, it is, it, it's gonna get, so it is gonna start very grimy. And this this guy out of Miami is probably the first that's like, oh, you'll work out here. Well, so the difference is, if a Miami football player gets injured at that gym, does that revoke their scholarship? And then it, thus revoke it, the endorsements. So there's a lot of contractual things that are going to be worked out. And I don't know if uh, these players can use this money to hire attorneys, hire agents. I have not got into that much. The weeds. I don't know about an agent, but I'm I'm pretty confident you can a family can hire their own attorney that's not an agent without however you fund that. That's attorney client privilege. And so I think that's going to be an avenue. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're, I mean, it's July 6th. This is, came in effect five days ago, six days ago, however you count a calendar. Um, no, this is a marketing ploy from this guy to burst, booster his gym. I don't think it's going to persuade anyone to get to Miami. And the U is not back. They're the same old U that's floundering for this last decade they've been. Um, so in a nutshell, I don't think this is a big deal. I think, I think the future is going to look something like this, but it's going to be much more calculated and uh, well thought out. Dan Lambert, 
and America Top Team is one of the sleazier organizations in MMA. So uh, I well, do agree with you. Go ahead. Yeah, I didn't think he was. Just based off his statement, I thought he was sleazy. The, the rhetoric that he presented, you can tell he had done this before about, you know, just wanting to help the kids out and improve the state of the program. And he hired an attorney uh, regarding compliance, which if he's involved in supporting the MMA, probably been there before and had his uh, wrist slapped or hand slapped, if you will. He also started a, not technically a nonprofit, but an organization called Bring Back the U, as we discussed. And that was basically entirely a fundraising effort that they were not going to make any money, but he would go to local businesses and other things and just generate money to give to the kids uh, because of- Sounds like a political operation. Yeah, like it's like a pack or something. Uh, You know, and I have too many Seminole and Gator fans that have been expletive on me. I want our team to be good again. This is within the new laws. Why not? And there's nothing that say Booster can't do this as long as they are not supporting the institution or the athletic department directly. So I just think they found another, I mean, tons of loopholes here and uh, they found one and this is probably going to become, you know, this is stuff that before we had to keep on the DL, but right now they're the first to go out and just be like, Hey, that's what we're doing. We're having this car wash, bikini car wash. So uh, our starting linebacker can get a Corvette. <laughs> that's basically it. So one of the first, um, and we'll talk about Mr. King a little later too. Derek King, the quarterback at the U, uh, reported that he had signed one of the first agreements. And he signed a pair of endorsements for college humps, falling, and junk, and moving Murphy Auto Group for around $20,000 to sell um, memorabilia. Uh, some of the other ones, the first one signed was by a Jackson State player to endorse a local barbershop. Uh, Bonex uh, is in a, and I think his is maybe the most legit one I've heard, Milo's Tea, which is a a pretty substantial brand of drink. He, he signed an endorsement agreement. Uh, now, is that a sweet tea? It's in the South. Yeah, it is a sweet tea. I they have an unsweetened version for the losers, but. And uh, Spencer Rattle, Rattler has said. Uh, Wait, what was, Bo Nick, what was Bo Nix's contract or that sweet tea deal? Uh, Bo Nix. I don't think it had. Let's see. It don't have numbers on that. Okay. Uh, uh, the Rattler said that he had a significant deal coming. Uh, uh, Evan, uh, Evan, Evan Neal at Alabama said he'd been reached out by to a, a gaming app company with a significant offer. Uh, you know, Rattler, uh, Rattler has a few deals. Um, he also designed his own logo, uh, and you know, that will become a brand, if you will, which is also a not against the rules. The latest was with Raising Canes. Um, but, yeah, he is uh, – uh, I think that's a fried chicken outlet. Uh, he, he's been very popular. Chicken outlet. It's the greatest fried chicken outlet in the history of the world. 
Whoa, whoa, what? Gus's. I'm a big fan of Gus's in Memphis. Um, more fast. Yeah. It, we, hey, we need to prepare uh, for a fried chicken debate. We can't just be throwing this out here on a whim. Yeah, yeah. I, I did. <laughs> I did participate. I ordered my King of the Bat Flip shirt from uh, Drew Gilbert in the University of Tennessee. And that has been my first donation to the NLI. Well, um, well, look, Randall, just let, let me just touch on something. So, uh, King, the Miami quarterback, yes, is getting twenty thousand dollars from what'd you say? College hunks moving. Okay, college hunks. So, all right, this this NIL thus far, and again, we're in the early stages of it, hasn't changed anything Miami's still cheap as shit and Auburn will still pay like, like the win would they give Cam Newton I mean what was that what was that rumored amount like, like yeah 20k you think Auburn's gonna you think one of their boosters are gonna flinch at 20k for a quarterback I mean no that that's that, that's that's console money for Auburn boosters allegedly Rattler seems to be the guy that's most in desire to Roger's point. Did he did they list anything else on there, Rush? That he'd sign? Um you know he's he's got a he's got a good publicist. This was uh this was uh posted from Manhattan Beach, California. Obviously he's an iconic looking dude with you know blonde hair and uh, a mixed racial background. Uh he developed the brand they went public in the same announcement they, of course, mentioned how they will be donating proceeds from any monies earned to the uh, help undeserved people and undeserved communities. The time is now. So uh, it's the full nine when it comes to you know creating a sweet little brand uh, with a snake, of course. Uh, um, you know, it, it, doing the right things and, and saying the right things. And uh, like I said, he's got a good publicist. That, that's evident. And I, I think he's a trendsetter, at least at this point. So, last question on this subject. And I think this is what the rules meant for as much as anything. Will Ulmer, a kid you'll never hear of, play linebacker for the Marshall Thundering Herd, is now allowed to play in local bands, local venues, and receive money for it. There is some good things that can happen from this NLI thing if it's done the right way. Just this kid that wants to be a country music star for the next year will be a big draw in Huntington, West Virginia. So uh, that's a good thing. Robbie, what are the good angles to the NLI thing? On it, it the same way if. I, when I, if I was in college and I wrote a poem or I wrote a rap song or I created a beat or a product, I can profit off of that independently of my academic scholarship. Um, that's what it should be like. And, that, and, and also, yes, there's a video game that's going to be coming out again next year. And all the most of the proceeds, or some of get it, get let them collectively bargain. Y'all use our name, image, and likeness, and we're gonna get a proceed of it. We're gonna split it 
evenly or whatever that the, the union collectively bargains for. Um, those kind of things. But yeah, these, these, these gems that are saying, Hey, we'll give you money because we want advertising. That's, that's explored. That, that is no different than the NCAA exploring these athletes, what they're doing. It is just, we are using you. Hey, you're the quarterback of said school. We're going to keep exploring you for, hey, we'll get you the quickest, the cheapest. We, you don't have negotiating power. You can't hire an agent. You can't, can't, you may, may not be hiring an attorney. What, what, is, what is your thought process as a 16 year old, 17 year old, 18 year old product? Are your parents signing you into contracts, into advertising deals? Like, there's a lot, you, you see the Britney Spears fiasco that's going on. Like, these kids that their parents enter into contracts and can be desperate, can be under leveraged. So there's a lot of shadiness that can be taken out of this. If the NCAA had a spine, a brain, or any working function to get ahead of something instead of waiting till June 30th at 6 p.m. to say, okay, we're, we're good with this. When all these states are changing laws, they were so far behind as they always are. And it's just dumbness on their part. And now, the athletes are can make money, but also can also be suckered and in debt. And there, there's a lot that can go wrong with this thing, too. It's like, you know, when California made weed legal, they didn't just say you can buy, you know, kilos of it and whatnot. It right. was highly regulated. It was taxed up to a certain percentage. Uh, it was a well thought out rollout. And this seems like, as you said, with the NCAA, the opposite. Um, now, Along those lines, UCLA hasn't really taken advantage as much from what I've read of where they are, but USC had developed actual staff to the new NIL, um, you know, and, and Randall's point to music, you know, a lot of kids love, you know, all kinds of music, but many love hip hop as well. Uh, USC's got an academy for uh, arts, technology, and business innovation founded by Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. Uh, there's no better city in the, in the world if someone wants to break into certain industries um, and they are using it and, and it's scary, you know, I mean, there's a lot of kids that are going to be led on to believe that, that this is the best place for them for not only for athletics and academics, but for other reasons. And those reasons could be total BS. Um, and, and eventually like, you know, that's the NCAA in a nutshell. They, they don't set the regulations prior to, they wait to see how badly they screw up then they hammer it down and then things like the G league gets created and, and those types of things. Um, that just absolutely zero forethought, which, which is unfortunate. And this is, you know, I agree with this, the NIL thing, but I've said from the start, same with Rob, that the lack of regulation is apparent and it's going to get worse before it gets better. Well, well, th this, this may be the death now to like in the Pac-12 to UCLA sports because mm -hmm. you, you, we're all familiar with California and how the state school system operates versus the private school. The state schools do not care at all about athletics and they won't fund yeah. stadium. They won't fund things. They won't fund. So like you, USC may have a huge window here all to over – to, to not overtake, but to continue their historical dominance of Southern California. Yeah, only Oregon can relate and 
it's been USC and Oregon primarily for the last 15 yeah. years, but with Nike money and, you know, promising you two to be named after you with your own brand. Don't know the legalities of that. That's just an example, but it, you know, the rich will get richer and, and that's yeah. pretty oh, much absolutely. a fact. And we certainly won't see some of the smaller teams have those darling seasons, the, you know, the Boise States or whatnot. You know, I think that may sort of, you know, create the class divide, yeah. widen the class divide, if you will. Well, you, you look at you look at Vanderbilt and like Arkansas. Um, they're just collecting the SEC revenue money now. Like, yeah, and, and, and that and that is a shot at Arkansas with the uh, Walmart. Yeah, the Walmart money being there. And like they still won't be able to compete because who wants to go live in Arkansas when other teams can pay you some some something similar and you get more exposure? So the question though is would a school and this is one I thought of in particular, like Middle Tennessee State, a school that has thirty plus thousand people enrolled, the largest school in the state of Tennessee with a state-of-the-art music program, Stan, to be able to promote, promote this and grow the brand in Nashville, where that, or is that not the right way to go with this? Kid, kid the simplest answer I could give is seven-year-old can make six figures on YouTube. The world's changed. If you're good at music and you want to be an athlete and you want to promote yourself and you can get paid on YouTube, no, go where you want to play. Go where you want to do. You don't need a state-of-the-art. I mean, I mean, how much how much more advanced is MTSU than, say, University of Colorado in their music program? You can make music if you want to make music. Like, I just, I, I just don't buy that, oh, I need to be near Nashville. You don't. You you're no longer trying to go somewhere to be found. You can be found, and you will be found if, if you have talent. Right. Uh, Rog, any, uh, any final thoughts on this subject? Look at, look at what we're trying to do. We're trying to be found in Chattanooga. Uh, hey, by the way, let me plug it. Dave Portnoy, we need a spot on Barstool. I saw you list offered a spot to Tommy Cheeseballs. A guy that did one MTV show and does TikTok. Look, dude, I'm 55 years old, single father, and I've got more personality. I'm going to start tagging you in every video until we're on Barstool. Sorry, I had to get it out. Now, Rod, uh, once we're on Barstool, we'll talk about money then. Uh, Rod, do you, do you agree with Robbie? Absolutely. I mean, 100%. I think we've all said what needs to be said and that is i think we believe in in the idea and the concept of the nil and, and kids finally being rewarded for the exploitation of their likeness and and athletic skills on the field or off the field and whatnot but you know the lack of regulation is frightening and when you have boosters that can basically do whatever they want you know in some of these towns unlimited funds that's not a good thing. And for a while, there was a, a lot of parody in, in basketball and in football. And, you know, I think that's going to change. And being from a major market, even if 
that's going to be a huge advantage for us. You know, I, I, I can't help but think that the class divide is just going to be widened, like I said, and, and it will make the game overall less interesting and obviously more well, corrupt. Sorry. No, you're good. Oh, yeah. So, and this just example came out. Just, I was just thinking about this. Um, and this is where it can get very disastrous for these kids. Um, and Raj, like the lack of regulation. So, let's say I'm a freshman quarterback at Penn State, for example, just throw it out of college. Um, I sign on there and I sign on I signed to Penn State because I say, hey, I'm a five star. I've been promised a hundred grand in sponsorships or however whatever you're calling these things. My freshman year. Okay. I get paid a hundred grand up front. Well, I blow out my knee. Well, I have given this hundred grand to family, bulk car. I've done that. Well, now I'm doing another hundred grand the next year. Hey, I'm gonna take a loan out on this hundred grand for my prepayment. Well, what if my knee doesn't heal? Now I'm on a high interest loan, and now I'm all of a sudden instead of a free scholarship, a free college education, I can be now in debt, a hundred grand, reoccurring interest. I can never get out of that if I don't make it pro. And so without these safeguards and on the, uh, uh, you know, legit business decisions, it can go very south very quickly for these kids that don't have financial advice and don't have these things at their disposal. And that's what worries me about it. They should get paid, but it should be regulated. And the NCAA dropped the ball by not doing it ahead of time. Uh, there's an announcement that just came out of Knoxville. All the Tennessee football players, if you want autographs, please stop at the pilot between 7 and 11. They will be working the second shift. Tennessee football players, 7 to 11 at pilot in Knoxville in the surrounding area. You know, you know, Lord Haslam would never, never, never risk confusing a pilot with a 7 11. He would yeah. never use those hours. Oh, that's true. That's true. Eleven to seven. Then. Yeah. We'll reverse it. All right, guys, we're gonna move on, and uh, we got about thirty minutes, and I wanna, I wanna give us enough time to deal with this, and I may be kind of opposite on this, this subject, and uh, I just checked. We actually got broadcast tonight, so um, the Olympic com Committee. Band, uh, I cannot say the young lady's name. Uh, sure, I believe it's Sir Kadera Richardson who qualified as an Olympic sprinter. Today, it also was announced that she will be left off of the relay teams, so she will fail to make the Olympic team in Tokyo. Miss Richardson's crime is THC. So there is a a, he, a lot of the press saying, you know, this is not an enhancement drug. Please, you know, reconsider this. I, I, I went another direction and I thought about our boy Josh Gordon, who was once the most promising receiver in the NFL and 
He just appealed within the last week to be reinstated. Uh, no one has ever accused Josh Gordon of not failing his drug test. I believe to the tune of five of them that has got him a lifetime ban from the NFL. But it's always been for marijuana THC. The argument is that it is not an enhancement performing drug. So is these organizations, the NFL being one, the U.S. Olympic Committee being two, Major League Baseball, uh, for God's sake, even the even uh, the was that the WWE tested for THC. Is 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 it time for us to get past that rule? It's legal in at least fifty percent of the states now. Robbie, what do you stand on? So that's a complex question. Is it time to legalize marijuana in states and sporting events? My answer is yes. With that being said, though, there's rules, and you know the rules, and if you break the rules, there are consequences. Whether it's a performance-enhancing or performance-dehancing drug, it doesn't matter. It's the, it's the rules, and they all play by the same rules. And so, yeah, when I first thought of it, when I first heard this, I was like, that that is stupid. And then I thought, well, you know what? Well, then if you can if you can self-determine what the rules are and what's important or not, then why have rules? Um, so, it, it, so, so like testing for weed is not a drug test. It's a stupid test. You know it's coming, and if you want to beat it, you can beat it. If that's all you're doing. And they – she didn't do it. Josh Gordon didn't do it. And so if you don't care that much about not smoking weed or your craft, then, um, then yeah, yes, I'm for the suspension. And, and I, and I'm shocked that I'm even taking this position because I am the complete left on all of, on any drug being legal. Any of them should be legal. It should be illegal. Um, but in a private corporation, a private company, you dictate the rules and you can absolutely do that. And I'd have to take a drug test for my employer. And if I fail it, I don't get that job. It's the same as an Olympian, a baseball player, a football player. So yes, you know, they set the rules. And if you want, you don't have to play NFL. You don't have to try to play in the Olympian, but if you do, then the rules apply. Uh, we actually are falling on the exact same spot in this. And I thought I would be in the minority by far. I'm very pro legalizing marijuana. I, I, I'm, I'm a person who suffers from chronic pain. That, that is, I would much rather be on marijuana legalized than the, what I do take. And it should pain. be legalized. But if they are a set of rules, here's giving your set of rules. And it's on there. You, you need to use some common sense. Josh Gordon, at one point, I was told, and it's kind of urban legend, was set, told by his team, you're going to get drug tested blank day, 30 days ahead of time. Because we don't want to lose you. You will be drug tested. 
He failed the drug test. What more can you do other than tell the guy when the drug test is and beg him to pass it? Well, I, I think I think we've all either known professional athletes or known people that know professional athletes. And don't be twisted. They are not – they don't refrain from what the rest of us refra- don't refrain from either. And so – but they know what – like. There's a reason. Okay, let me, let me put it this way. There's a reason why the NFL didn't miss a single game for COVID when the rest of the leagues went crazy trying to reschedule things. Because they know when the tests are coming and they know, like, yeah, absolutely. It, it, you don't have to get too creative to figure out how they did that. And I'll shut up and let Raj talk. A uh, Raj? Let's 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 hear your opinion of this. I mean, the, the World Anti-Doping Agency, and that's not a pun intended there, um, stated that marijuana could be considered a performance enhancement. Could be. Uh, sure, subjectively, it may somebody, make somebody feel less focused or more focused, and, and that could be an advantage. But, you know, so could having orange socks. You know, I, I don't see how that's the case. You, you know, quick side note, we live in the Bible Belt, and in Tennessee, marijuana is considered a drug, and, and drugs are, are threatening to the family unit, to morality, et cetera. But, but sports gambling and possibly uh, throwing away your family's mortgage on a, a, a known addictive behavior, and, and I'm not saying any of us, but – Are you trying, to, are you trying to tell me something? Are you trying to say no, something? You're not throwing away your mortgage. You're throwing away, like, for you, it won't matter is my point. But, you know, but for sports gambling to be legal here, it just baffles my mind. And sure, certain states are, are loosening, and this seems to be a process which sort of begins with medicinal, and then there may be some sort of decriminalization, like in Texas, where Shikari Richardson's from, um, and, and then hopefully a legality. And you regulate again, as we mentioned earlier, how much people can hold, you know, without the uh, the distribute distributive uh, uh, argument or debate. And uh, you tax the crap out of it. I mean, California's generated billions taxing at thirty percent. I mean, not to mention what it does in terms of, you know, the illegal drug trade, et cetera, and, and sort of the reach of many of those organizations. Uh, theoretically, of course. Um, Shikari Richardson's from Texas, where, again, they decriminalized it now that if someone holds less than two ounces, it's a Class B misdemeanor, um, which is a slap on the wrist. It used to be much worse. Um, She said that she smoked because that's what helped her cope with the death of her mom, who died a week prior. Uh, They basically gave her a slight suspension and then initially said she'd be available for the relay and then took that away from her, which based upon politics and those not knowing the situation and, and needing a scapegoat. If you ask me, um, she was the favorite to win in the individual event. What was it? The hundred. Um, she was a great personality. You know, she could have been marketed like crazy. I, I don't understand it because if you tested any sport, regardless of where it is, arguably in the world, but certainly in North America, I'd venture to say 70% of those athletes 
may test positive for marijuana. I mean, it's a very rigorous thing to be a professional athlete and alcohol has consequences literally and figuratively, whereas marijuana really does not, you know, the day after and, and can be very therapeutic as Randall noted, pain or otherwise, anxiety, et cetera. Um, I don't know the, the Olympics are a private organization, correct? Like ironically enough, and, and they can set their own rules, but it, it just seems on some level ridiculously short-sighted and, and even hypocritical. Uh, it's a tragedy that she is at the peak of her athletic existence and she's being scapegoated. And I think that's bull. Well, as we're having this discussion now is, and, and I don't, I, I've just seen the headlines and I read that she tested positive for weed and then she's disqualified. But is, was this a USA team expulsion or was this a Olympic team expulsion? I understood it to be the USA Olympic Committee. Because, because I was gonna say, because like the Netherlands, and like, 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 did they fall into the same marijuana testing policy? We all go to Amsterdam, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, because like, uh, if this, if now, so if this, so if this was, I mean, I guess rules are rules, so maybe I don't change my mind, but. If it's a if it if it's a USA policy that's stricter than the Olympic Committee, whatever they are, their policy, then I may change my mind and say, no, we're being stupid. Let's bring our best athletes. So I guess I guess I, was, I need I should, I should I shouldn't have researched the UCLA football coach as much as I should have researched this issue. It was it was the suspension by the US track and field. Yeah, U.S. So, so track and field organization. So, so we could have brought her, and if she tested clean at the Olympic trials, we could have won. I, I, I have more trouble with the relay deal because it, it was kind of like I thought she was going to be slapped on the wrist and miss her individual. And I thought the deal was done that she was going to be part of the relay team. But then that was kind of jerked out and under. I didn't understand that. Oh no! So I'm on the flip side of that. I'm a, I'm more okay if she wants to run individually and risk her own medal versus being part of a team. And if three people are negative and she costs them all a medal, I'd be more upset about that than her saying, "Hey, I'll I'll do what's in my body and I'll try to control it and I'll I'll run on my own." I I, I like that model better. If the Testing agency is the USA DA who also is responsible for testing MMA fighters. And, and that's oh. what Team USA Track and Field said, you know, and talk about name, image, and likeness. You know, Shikari Richardson went to LSU, like huge flowing orange hair. She you know, looks like Lojo. Uh, man, she was a gold mine waiting to happen. And, and her family you know, for generations has likely been affected by this. She learned from a reporter that her mother had died. And then she came out and acknowledged it and said, you know, she should not have been hiding. It was the shock of it all. There's no excuse, but it was USA track and field that tested her. And they said that circumstances do not matter when it comes to blah, 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 according to the U.S. anti-doping agency, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it could be a slippery slope after that. Um, I think it's all BS personally. It, it should be 
reevaluate. And, and that quote was even said, while USATF fully agrees that the merit of the World Anti-Doping Agency rules related to THC should be reevaluated, it would be detrimental to the integrity of the U.S. team Olympic team trials for track and field if the USATF amended its policies following competition, this competition only weeks before the Olympic Games. Well, it's all it's all pretty hypocritical when we're the yes. same group let let uh, Lance Armstrong go up there for a decade switching blood between races and all that nonsense that he did and Absolutely. yeah, no problem there. I I'm more concerned with Michael Phelps, who's been a a prominent supporter of marijuana, and now. I assumed during his career it was not tested, and that's the way he did it. Evidently, he would clean himself up prior to a competition. Be the only explanation. Oh, I've 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 seen his uh, diet regimen. I know he burns a lot of calories, but man, that kid can eat. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I think we that's a good moment. We might have to come back to that one down the road, but I think we want to get to our last subject, and then we'll do our batter nuts. And uh, our final thoughts, but long show tonight. We started late, so everybody, thank you for being with us. Also, thank you to our sponsor, Evett Pitching Academy. Uh, we've got a banner we'll run with his number on the bottom of it. If you have a youngster that is looking to get into baseball, please yes. consider giving Trevor a call, 423-504-3198 got about 10 years experience and i i mean i'm old but I, it wasn't that long ago i went and watched him pitch so uh we appreciate trevor and being part of this All right. yeah thank you go ahead yeah, so thank awesome. you for the sponsorship. yeah absolutely yeah, he's a great, he's a great guy. we want to help him get a business off the ground um our last. We, we could we could uh, we could tell our friend Blake about that. He has like seventeen kids. I, I know Blake's gonna keep it. That's like that's like two baseball teams and benches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did I did tell him if he signed up with us now that Blake would be having at least seven or eight players. Um, so I think we're gonna walk another slippery slope here. And, and and when I first put this on our. Our list. I was like, oh, we'll do five minutes on good time story and then we'll move on. But, uh, and this may be even my paranoia coming up. Chris Paul is in the NBA finals for the first time in 16 years. Chris Paul is probably uh, the most decorated player that's currently in the NBA not to make it to a finals. Uh, it was huge news, and everybody celebrated, and I thought it was a great moment with his teammates. Where I've got to today in my research is Chris Paul is also the president of the labor union. The NBA has been having a ton of players, including LeBron James, the largest name in the NBA, complaining about the turnaround to the season. First of all, Congratulations, Chris Paul. But if the president of your labor union wins the NBA championship, do you think he can then lead the charge that, hey, we don't need to play again? Or is this putting Chris Paul in a very, very kind of 
how do you how do you criticize something if you just won? Is it is it him being hypocritical? So, first off, how big is this for Chris Paul to be in the finals? And then second, the question: Will this change his leadership of the the players' associations? Robbie, I'll let you go first. I put a lot out there, so two different levels of the questions. Well, so on the president of the labor union, he is that because he is so well liked amongst his peers and respected. So that's an elected position. And one of his best friends in the league is LeBron James, who is the most powerful person in the league. I think that this was, this is a, like we all thought it was a bad idea. I think, I think we were all in agreement that them pushing the league up and playing it so quickly was a bad idea, but it's a results oriented decision. So if nobody got hurt, it wouldn't have been a bad idea, but because when people did get hurt, it, it was a bad idea, but I think everyone's in agreement and there's votes. There are, there are hands raised. There are tallies made to reflect back to, Hey, this was not a Chris Paul decision. This was a union decision. I'm just the leader of that union that presents that to Adam Silver. So I think he's kind of protected. Um, I, I think there, there, but at the same time, there's going to be some, some was there not enough All Star break? There, there's going to be some some pushback. Yes, I agree with that. Um, but I think it's more so next year is going to be. They just won a championship team. They just want uh, let's let's okay. Sorry, let's assume they win. And in these two shortened seasons, Chris Paul's won one of the two. That's fifty percent. It's in his personal interest to push on and get keep this cycle going because he's got a young team around him, and his peers are older and. And he can take some nights off and, and play where they can't. Um, I'm happy for him. I, I I think Chris Paul has been a dirty player at times, um, but I do like him. I think he's been a really good player a lot of the times, and so I, I I'm I'm rooting for him. Actually, there there's no lose in this series for a just a gambler and just a I don't care who wins kind of person. Giannis can get his. Chris Paul can get his. Um, I don't. I don't. I, I've never been in Milwaukee. I love Tempe. Um, I can. I, if they fly me out for a parade, I will. I will root for Tempe. I'm okay. Um, I'll, I'll come over and eat in a sec. But yeah, I mean, I think. I, think I don't necessarily think he's hated amongst. I think. I think some fans hate him more than the players. I don't hate want him. It, I think. I think he's loved by the NBA players. I, I agree. This is Chris Paul's, I can't believe it, 16th season in the NBA. It's crazy. Roger, what's your I, I, was in, I was in college, and we drove over uh, to, to visit my uh, roommate in boarding school, Alan Hyde. Uh, he went to Wake, and I drove to Knox Wake Forest to see uh, Chris Paul beat the, the, the number one North Carolina team um, I can't. I can't remember who all was on that team. That, that North Carolina team was loaded, um, but that was Chris Paul was there. So yeah, he he and I are the same 
age area. So pretty yeah. young still, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, pretty young. Uh, people in my age area are in retirement. Exactly. Rod, what what's your thought? Ah, Chris Paul. Um, great player. Is he a bit whiny? Is are there things I don't respect about his game? Sure. Uh, feels like this year is fate. Perhaps karma for him just playing so hard and so well for so many years. I hate to say this. Phoenix is a balanced team. They remind me of like the old Sacramento Kings teams or the Portland Trailblazers teams from 10, 15 years ago. Just solid in every position, yet not spectacular. Uh, Chris Paul may be spectacular, but like, you know, Booker is a guy that, you know, he's a volume shooter. I don't think he's automatic by any means. He likes to think so. But, you know, DeAndre Ayton has evolved. Uh, Jay Crowder, who's a journeyman, who I have no idea why. He's a glue guy, plays good defense. They're just a very well-balanced team. They were losing 2-1 to one against the Lakers in the first round, and the Lakers were a team that had no offseason at all, and they're old as you know what. Uh, then Anthony Davis got hurt, and Phoenix won the series. They faced Denver without Jamal Murray, and another nice matchup because they had Aiton to basically – go against Jokic, and they can pretty much double and triple team him because nobody else was going to scare that team. And, and they do play good defense, and they're well-coached. Uh, against the Clippers, it, it became a series. There was no Kawhi Leonard, who is arguably, aside from Le- LeBron James, you know, the best playoff competitor in the NBA in the last 10 years. Um, and Kobe Bryant possibly being in there, despite his age. Uh, you know, now they get Milwaukee with Giannis at 50%. seems like the stars are aligning. I, I don't want to take that away from Chris Paul. Again, he's just such a unique player, not only with his skill set and the fact that he's the nicest guy off the court that everyone respects him. But, yeah, he's dirty as hell. He's like John Stockton. But in the NBA, you have to be very intelligent to be dirty because in order to get away with it, you have to be respected by referees. Um, you know, for me personally, Chris Paul in 2011, when he went from New Orleans to uh, the Clippers, you know, the deal was done for the Lakers. Oddly enough, the big three in Miami had just happened before that. Uh, Dan Gilbert, the whiny uh, Cleveland owner, among others, said this would be too good of a super team. Uh, with basically all the Lakers needed was that and Kobe and Powell, and they were, they were pretty deep. Oh, um, that calls Kobe two championships. Yeah, at least. At least. Um because those two together wanted to play together when they were on Team USA. That, I mean, when Kobe doesn't have to handle the ball and Chris Paul is the best point guard in the NBA in the last, you know, 15 years at least. He's just so smart. He gets the ball right where you want it when he needs to shoot and score like he did in game six the other night. That was my, your bet my nuts was uh, the Clippers were a one-point favorite against the Suns. The Suns boat raced them, and I took Phoenix and Chris Paul – just decided it's on me. And instead of 40 assists, he scored 41 points because he can. And he's one of the few guys that can do that, but he would rather get his guys involved and make his team better. So to answer your question overall, you know, he's definitely deserving of a ring, but this year there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of easy paths, but like I said, maybe the stars are aligning and I would be happy for him. It, It wasn't his fault. Dan Gilbert was a whiny, you know what? And, you know, David Silver, no, not Silver, the one prior, uh, not Adam David Silver. Stern. 
Stern, uh, he's just the worst. Was such a uh, a hypocrite, easily influenced and motivated by the simplest things. Uh, it's not Chris Paul's fault. You know, he's an amazing basketball player. That's the bottom line. He makes other people better. Uh, but yeah, well, I think that there won't be an asterisk per se. But man, talk about a road. You know, that's it's pretty easy. Um, flip side being last year against a good Houston team, he had no one on OKC, and I think they took them to seven, and it was pretty much all because of him. Um, a Hall of Famer, great player. I predicted and bet on Phoenix at the beginning of the series that he would get his ring. And um, yeah, I'm not overjoyed for it. It's not Peyton Manning winning his first ring, but you know, it's just nice to see. He's a good, well-respected dude that helps out the community and plays good basketball. Up oh, 15 not, as we speak. Yeah, I'm sure they're already crushing him. And Giannis is playing, correct? He is playing. Yes. Yeah. Again, well balanced team. So, so I, 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 I uh, just to jump in here, I heard it was on PTI and Kornheiser had a great idea, and I completely agree. If you're Milwaukee, why would you play Giannis in games one or two when you can lose both of them? And all you got to do is win one game in Phoenix and get him completely healthy. Who cares if you're in an 0-2? you got two home games and then just sneak one of the last two in Phoenix. Get him healthy. A, a unhealthy or limping Giannis is not going to help. I don't think they're good enough to do that. He, uh, and who's to say one or two games is going to make him feel 100%? It looked like he had a knee injury. He wasn't Paul Pierce. He didn't get carried off to the locker room in a wheelchair and come back 14 minutes later. Uh, real time, game time, it was like three minutes later. But and who's to say? I mean, that's just a strategy that I've, I've never the, the risks I, far outweigh the benefits. I, I, I still, even when I see Paul Pierce on ESPN, I'm like, I, I just can't get over the, that moment. He just, you, you can't respect somebody after that. Ever. And he's from Inglewood, like we've mentioned before. But he also yeah. went to Kansas, the first from that area to that. Um, yeah, not much respect from that area or from other players. But back to Chris Paul, he's the opposite. Players love and revere him. Jonathan's stat line through three quarters. 27 minutes played, 12 rebounds, three assists, and 14 points. So 12 rebounds says to me that he's fairly healthy. I don't know if he is. The 14 points probably says he isn't, but we'll see. It says to me that Brooke Lopez doesn't move very well. Aiton is a a more slick big man, and Brooke's probably putting a body on him, leaving leaving boards for Giannis, who's still the most athletic player in the league. And, can do it all, but I'm not watching, and that's likely a rationalization. So I didn't well, mean to contradict you. But. Well, what bothers me is they're down by 13 right now in the fourth, and they still have him in there. Get him off the court. You're not going to win. Yeah, Aiton has 16 boards at this point. And I love the NBA. I didn't even know the finals were going on. Now that being said, I love this show, and I forgot it was going on, but. This show is, is is way up the rankings for Phoenix and Milwaukee, and the NBA knows it. I'd be shocked oh, if these weren't the lowest this, ratings. This is the NBA's time. worst nightmare. Worst Phoenix nightmare. and Milwaukee. 
Worst nightmare. Do you hear that, President? Barstool. B A R S T O O L. I need a contract. Talk about Barstool, though. Portnoy is basically us, like a bunch of dicks that like to drink beer and talk sh- and be dudes. And no, nah, he's, br- he's a brilliant. No, nah, he's brilliant as how as a marketer. Hey, you know, I can, that brand, but- hey I'll tell this. I, I can tell him. Uh, I understand how he paper handed it. I'm still diamond handed in it, but I'll give him a break. He can buy back in. He can still diamond hand GME. It's all good. I'm not going to attack him, bro. Paper handing it. A lot of people on Twitter did, but I, I forgive him. Uh, the irony I, being, though, he can't bro it out anymore now that he's worth like 500 million. Like, yeah. That's the opposite. I just feel of like a out. single dad that's halfway talented deserves a chance. I think he'd feel sorry for me. All right, guys, we got to get to the That's the way to earn it. Sorry, I'm still I'm still rolling with my last week bet. Your nuts. Uh, the Braves have went on a four one run and have been swept by the Pirates. Yeah, I've got you. I've got you up fifty four dollars right now. Yeah, well, we lost today. I think I'm down. Oh boy. Mm. So my bet your nuts is double up. On the Braves tomorrow at 2.35 versus the Pirates. Two nuts on the Braves. Tough schedule, though, man. Tough schedule. No way. No way the Pirates. doubling down, they're in trouble. No way the Pirates sweep the Braves. You don't double unless you know what the dealers got. To last and bet your nuts. Or last to way last. I could be in a Robbie place. I'll be picking NASCAR trying to get two wins. Hey, hey, hey. Whoa, That's whoa, hard, whoa. man. That's whoa, one out strong. of 50. Yeah. I respect right, that. Bobby. Mine is the Braves money line. And I don't even know who starts tomorrow. I like it. Reckless speculation. Uh, so. Reckless gambling. And, and I've already bet it. I, before we come on the air, I bet it. All right, so I like to live bet on the air. So I, I ha, we haven't got many much feedback about. Oh my gosh, this guy's killing it on NASCAR. So hey, I, I, need to, I need to feel like I need to explain it a little bit better. Okay, please. So, so okay, so there's three bets in my opinion today, or for for Sunday. I'm trying to go to Atlanta if I can get any friend to go with me. I have a friend here in Randall. What, uh, Raj on the West Coast, he can't go. But if we're going to go to the race, I'm down to go. But anyways, so. If I didn't have I'll, I'll, I'll answer the text. I want to go. All right. So the favorite in the race, which wins most of the time, is Kyle Larson. Again. Is he okay? Plus two- Plus two twenty five. He was in the lead lot yet on Sunday until he got bumped in the rear and racked. Kyle Bush is plus seven fifty. So notice the favorite plus two twenty five to his second favorite plus seven fifty. The one after that is plus eight hundred in Chase Elliott. But again, that gets us to our teams. Two of those three are Hendrick Motorsports again. So two of the top three 
of that team is plus 115. So my bet you're nuts because I don't want people to lose. I want people to win. Is going to be Hendrick Motorsports again. So either Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, or what's the other guy's name? I forget his name all the time. Bowman or William Byron. One of them is going to win. So we have two of the top three and then two randoms to, to flow in for a plus 115. So I'm going Hendrick Motorsports plus 115. But kids, if you want to get more, if you want to get greedy, Kyle Law plus 225. That's a bet that he is so far more favored than the second racer in this in this drive in this race that uh, I'd put money on him too. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna double down. I tried to parlay Larson and Hendrick Motorsports, but I couldn't because of the same group. But Either one of those, but officially the bet the nuts is Hendrick Motorsports again to win this weekend. Nice. And, and you researched it. I know, like, somebody's just going, the Braves can't get swept. Double down. All right, Rod. You know, I, I think this is a poor man's NBA season. I said it before. Um, I, I said at the beginning of the, uh, the Western Conference Championship that, that Phoenix was going to win the title. Again, they remind me of, of very well-balanced NBA teams from years past, teams like Phoenix and Portland that probably would have won multiple championships if not for running into buzz saws. Um, but there are no buzz saws left. Um, even with Giannis, you know, they can defend pretty well. They're well-balanced with an amazing point guard. They have a knockdown shooter at the two. And as, when you're a shooter, probably the best point guard in the league, one of the best in history to have, Next to you is Chris Paul. Um, Jay Crowder does the dirty work. He defends. He can extend and shoot the three. Same with Michael Bridges, uh, a dude that has a pretty high percentage from outside. Uh, finally got DeAndre Ayton, the most athletic center. I mean, the Warriors tried to catch the same lightning in a bottle with James Wiseman, but Ayton's a clearly a much better player, even though it's early for Wiseman. You know, he's a walking 2020 guy almost. Haven't seen that since... Garnett, and I think tonight he's got 18 and 16. In short, they're so well balanced. The bench isn't great. Uh, led by the cameras, Johnson and Payne. Uh, Darich is there. But, but uh, you know, I looked at Jay Crowder tonight, a guy who's over over 7 or something from the field. He's plus 16 on the floor. Um, they got mad chemistry. I predicted them in, initially in 6. Uh, I almost went seven, but now I, I'm literally thinking five. So my bet your nuts pick will be Phoenix in five, six, or seven. <laughs> I'll go with six and stick with six. That's that's my bet your nuts pick. But it, it would just be on Phoenix winning. What are the odds I, on that? I don't know on them winning in six. I, I, I literally was thinking they'd win in five, but – the NBA, I hate to say this, but, you know, this series is bad enough as it is. They needed to go late. So, I'd say six oh, or seven, I'm, but you can uh, – I'm trying to pull it up. Hold on. So, yeah, please. So, you said Phoenix and six? Yeah. Plus 450. What are the other odds? 
Phoenix is favored, right? Yeah, but Phoenix, like the exact six games is plus 450. What about in seven? Plus 400. What about Bucks in seven? Plus 650. And last one, Phoenix in five? Phoenix in five is plus 260. So that's the the favorite at this point. Phoenix, Phoenix, the sweep is plus 500. Well, I mean, it was four something for six and 260 for five, which is the one I was thinking that was two chickens to, to pick it. Wow. So they are favored based upon Vegas to win the series in five. Which would be great for the NBA. <laughs> Raj, this is what you call doing research for a show you know is coming up. So I've got uh, can't read it any of it, but but I try to I try to do research. There's Randall using old mail. I didn't even do as yeah. much research, and I, I still like. Yeah, you know, obviously I forgot. Raj about just showing what up. Day it was, but... Just pure talent. Just being like, hey, I'll just show up and do what I want to. All right, natural. You can't help it. I can't believe we went. Out over and start it late so has anybody got any final words before i go eat uh my actual very cold dinner tonight of course it's cold but i fell asleep doing research um well hopefully this time next week i will be reporting back after my nascar experience at the atlanta motor speedway um hopefully i can get someone to go with me i need i need better friends um, but in the meantime, if not, um, you guys are all welcome for your winning bet and hope you're placing and betting big because I'm delivering winners, um, on a, uh, niche sport that is, um, uh, easy to bet on. Ross says you, um, pretty excited. My little one is a big Dodger fan now. He can name numbers and players even when they're not in their jerseys and he's like oh that's aj pollock on some show he watches on youtube i'm like oh really uh i just saw a white guy with brown hair that looks like a baseball player um but we're going to dodger stadium for the first time in his life and he's more excited than disneyland uh the coming weekend against arizona so very excited about that um and, and of course i'll take the dodgers in any game that i attend possibly in a sweep but uh, the last thing I want to say is is free Shikari Richardson. I think that's ridiculous, man. Like, I get it, but I get it based on antiquated 1950s perceptions and rationalizations and vindictive statements. Whereas, you know, this this is a lovely lady who's worked her tail off the entire time, loses her mother, and learns that abstractly through a reporter and suddenly is tested and then said that okay we're just gonna make sure she doesn't race her best event but she can do the relay but then after the backlash that another major political reaction kicking her off i think it's silly i mean who are we trying to prove anyways it's olympic politics and it's highly unfortunate uh my last words for the night is we have a date, August the 24th, for a football preview show. 
We have two locations, which one of them, our preferred location, will never confirm. So by next weekend, if you'll join us, with or without a certain downtown restaurant, we'll be announcing plans for a special edition where we will all be in the same room and maybe some guests, uh, probably a lot of common guests, but with COVID time, we could actually have people in the room with us. Uh, I expect we'll get a drop in from Brandon Chain, which uh, he's got a new show starting on the network, yet to be named, but I did like Stretch the Chain starring Robbie Davis. I thought that was some, thought that was <laughs> ironic in it. Wait, was that next week? Uh, the 24th of August. Okay, good. Sorry, I'm out till the 14th. Stretch the Chain, Thanks. I thought it was a reference to uh, the chain gang or the handcuffs that the foot cuffs that Robbie's worn a few times. Hey, Randall, can we do a uh, August 29th Sunday morning special to recap yes. the fantasy football draft? Yes, we will. Uh, the 24th will proceed our draft, which we will have every member of the league is invited to either call in or personally drop in and make their case to why they're in the league. Then on the 29th, we will recap our draft and we will laugh about our rising. I'm, I'm, I will not draft my, my declaration today is if you cannot soberly draft, I will not draft you a player this year. And if Ross drafts anybody a player, I'm breaking his fingers. So if you if you pass out your team auto drafts, Kickers and defense till you wake up. So, so we have thought. I've thought about this uh, today. I was driving around, I, and I've been anti-time clock forever. But I think we need a thirty-minute time clock. I, we need something because last year I won't say no names, criminal. I ended up with one of the best teams in the league because he was the first one to pass out. And a certain West Coast person drafted his team, and the dude ended up with a monster team. Others helped, including uh, Jeff I and know. yourself to a lower extent. But then when you realized his team was legit and legit legitimately better than most, you were like, oh, shit, I can't do this. When I looked up and he had Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray on the same team, and I'm like, and then two stud receivers. And I'm like, I'm, I'm stopping, man. Uh, it, but yes, Robbie, I think that is a wonderful idea. 30 minutes. That's crazy, dude. Well, no, well, no, but, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a compromise between like, for me, I'm anti-time timer ever. So that's long enough for me to enjoy a pick, but then people will go faster. Uh, I mean, I, I don't first know five rounds, you should pick. have five minutes. Because no. there's nothing but talent on the board. See, this is what happens. This is where we get into these debates. No, five minutes is way too quick. 20 Robbie, minutes. What if, what if you get 30 minutes and everybody else gets five minutes? That'll work. I will be willing to make that sacrifice. You get 30 minutes a pick. Everybody else. I, I, like to, I like to think things through. You can't just hastily make decisions. It takes I, I don't, time to think things through. I don't During think there's another day. person in the league that could think things through. Most of the time, they're looking for their bottle, their draft list, 
I, I'm, I'm serious, serious. There was a point that I watched someone look for their draft list last year for 73 minutes. It was in their back pocket. Wait, have we explained to, to our audience that we have a mandatory in-person draft? Like, there is no internet selection. There is no best available. It is strictly what you know, and everyone must be there live or else you can't play. But that's what makes this league different than so many others, or almost every other one is, oh, you can just hit auto-draft. You can say best There's available. a waiting – Waiting list to get in, and once I got yeah. in, I'm again from the West Coast. Been in hundreds of leagues. Started my Yahoo profile in 2001. This is by far the most fun league I've ever been in. Um, and you know, ironically enough, the premise of this show, at least in my eyes, is between picks. How just hundreds of conversations are are going on while some idiot stumbles to the board, especially in the later rounds. And and that's really how I view this is. We often end up in conversations on God knows what, generally sports related, but um, you, you know we're all there for a common purpose and a common ground, and the vibes are always positive. Well, mostly positive. Um, it, it's just a, it's a super super positive day that I look forward to every year, and that's also because of the league and the members that have the right amount of dedication to it to the league and the cause itself, but also to each other. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I feel bad. Some of my boys at home have given me stuff for this, but it's by far and away the best league I've ever been what in. What league could you have a rap battle break out in the middle of the draft? And well, also, also, I don't know if you want to be public about Rob <laughs> in the well, rap battle. Well, Rob, I mean, Rob will do anything, especially if you challenge him. Well, when someone someone says, how would you describe your fantasy football league? And I said, well, imagine if you took 12 individuals and they're all Sounds friends. Like the real, but, the real world. But, but none of them trust each other for a second. And no. There, there are no trades. There's fight for the waiver wire. There's, cheat, there's, there's cheating scandals and everything. There's backdoor dealings. It is literally like the most paranoid league I've ever seen. I single-handedly last year took you off of the lowest level of the scum <laughs> and replaced <laughs> you for a period of time. So I was really proud of that. Oh, I, yeah. They were, they were texting about whether I should even be in the league because I was pulling some moves. But I was Oh, oh indeed. Hey. I was, if, I was if, so proud. If, 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 <laughs> as soon as – as soon as a proposed trade notification gets announced, get ready for 500 Lenny texts coming at you. Be like, this is bullshit. This is this is not acceptable. Even the most fairest trade in the world. Oh, this is bullshit. Yeah. How did you trade the number one player for the number two player? And, and they I'm, 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 like, Lanier, I'm, like, I'm like, Lanier, you don't even know who these players are. Yeah. And he won the league and he don't have a TV. Yeah. It's also a league that there is no strategy because you could wait eight rounds and for the perfect pick and then somebody to fall into the table and randomly grab your guy and stick it on the board one pick in front of you. Uh, there's no – there's no – Oh, well, because, because there's no live tick or best available, 
you can't really prepare like I like there's no there's no use doing mock drafts for our league because in mock drafts you can see patterns but in ours you never know I mean someone's gonna some someone criminal is gonna jump up and smack Aaron Rodgers on number three and then it just throws everything bananas. The greatest yeah, moment though, is when we pick players that are retired. Go ahead, Raj. No, I was going to say, like, number one, Randall, what you said about no strategy and trying to wait for a guy in the eighth round, that is strategy. And uh, you probably should have picked him in the seventh. And maybe yeah. that's why you end up middle of the pack. But And you're a guy that overthinks things. You obviously know your stuff. You should be oh, in the top yeah. three or four every year. But, but things – you do whine a little bit, but like, just kidding. Oh. Things do happen, and, and sometimes I'm like, "Damn, this guy has horrible luck." But then again, you can't pick half the Atlanta Falcons team and uh, wait no long to to get well. Generally, you, you wait for the gems and the pitch, and sometimes they're gone, and then you, you get pissed off. And I got and, and you, you're this sober guy. Well, you know, I, I just think – I mean, that was so a bummer. Hard. I mean, yeah, your team would have been legit if he was healthy, obviously. But that's Raj, fantasy football. Raj, I just think Randall's playing chess while we're all playing checkers. Randall's got this big bottle of champagne. He's got this big bottle of champagne ready to be popped. Oh. As, soon as, he win, as soon as he wins the championship, he's like, I can't ever drink again. And so he just won't ever win. I hope I'm he and I live to see that. Annalie knows that if I die and still hadn't won a league, that she has to continue in my spot. So somebody in this family wins the title. Hey, if it can happen for Chris Paul, it can happen for anyone. Uh, yes, it, yes, yes. And the fact that Criminal made the finals last year is still mind-boggling to me. With our team, yeah. Yep. All right, guys. Well, it's been a great uh, – We'll talk next Tuesday, Rog. It's on Tuesday. Even if you're it's on Tuesday, I, I hope to be broadcasting from the beach. Right now, I'm at my sister and brother-in-law's beautiful house in Tustin. Uh, but hopefully, uh, I'll be closer to the beach. And if that's the case, I'll be ready to go. And you can finally go eat now. I've been waiting for you. Say, so, oh, yeah. I'm actually a late eater, anyways. I'd rather get my buzz on first. Being old. Uh, by eat now, it's just nap time. So, Robbie, you will find somebody to go to the race with you. I'm, I'm confident. Hey, I I may a weekend by myself won't be bad either. Where is the no. race at? In Atlanta. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Nothing sounds fun like uh, middle of July in Atlanta, right? Hey, hey. dude. Nah. All right, hey, like Randall trolling lose. for tickets years ago. You, you can find someone that wants a free ticket. I, I got to lose weight somehow. I might as well sweat it out. <laughs> I'm going to see um, Seven Dust at the Signal in a couple of weeks, and I literally dread standing that well in three bands. That's how fat I am right now. I was so, I was at the time, I was like, I really don't want to stand up for three hours. And he was like, huh, that might be a sign you need to lose weight there, big boy. So, all right, guys. I don't blame that. We'll talk to you next week. And hey, everybody, sorry for being late. See you guys. Me too.